0: To give you a review. Last week, last week, following, we kind of stopped, looked at uh, uh, Peter following Jesus' resurrection in John chapter 21. When Jesus asked him to feed my sheep, feed my sheep, take care of my sheep. He did that three times to Peter. Peter, if you love me, you will care for my sheep, you will tend my sheep. And all those were shepherding terms. In essence, I believe that. Jesus was telling Peter, you need to move away from a fisherman mentality to have a shepherding mentality. You can't just throw back the fish you don't like with people. You need to be a person who actually shepherds people, every one of them. And remember, we talked about the 153 fish. The 153 fish. And I said, why is there 153 there? It's because I believe Jesus had them count. The fish, and why did he have them count the fish? He had them count the fish because he wanted them to see that every single fish matters. Every person matters. If you're going to tend my sheep, I need you to tend my sheep because every single person matters. So, how about us? How about us? How about you and I? With that question that we asked last week, how are we doing moving from friendly to actually caring? with one another. Are we like the fishermen who pick and choose who we tend to and care to? Or are we like a shepherd who loves to care and tend those God puts in our way, no matter who they are? Now, let me say this about Lake Homa. I love you guys because you care. You care, and I know you care. You care deeply about the hurts and the pains Of one another, those relationships that you're building, and many of you have those relationships that are just you connect. I mean, you can just go deep with an individual. You can say you can just kind of, as we said last week, you can just kind of vomit all over the place, and everybody just says, "Oh, we're we're right there with you," because that's that's the kind of relationships you have. But there's probably some of those who are here that says, "I don't have those relationships. I'm struggling in my relationships." I'm struggling to find friendships. I'm struggling to connect. I'm struggling to find that place where I believe I can just be totally honest with myself and with others. And is this realistic to even ask that of us? Is it realistic to actually ask that of us? And I I believe it is. Now, all of us are going to have to get past the stigma. That stigma, like I said last week, is if you knew me like I knew me, I don't think you would like me. And all of us have that statement with the inside of us because we don't want anybody to see what's actually hidden deep inside of us. But what if, what if, what if, what if we could be completely honest with one another? What if, what if we could treat those who were honest with us with love and respect and do so without judgment, do so without judgment? Alright, so last week I talked about my pastor friend, and uh, this week I connected that pastor friend with a professional at a lunch that we had. He's now in touch, he's now in touch with someone who knows the situation, who can walk with him, who understands it. He's been there, so he understands all that, and uh, his connection with this professional though does not, and here's what I believe, just that, that connection that I did doesn't relinquish my care for him. Yes, there's someone else who's taking care of him. Yes, there's someone else who is calling him, but it does, not mean, it does not mean that my caring ends at that point. Neither can I return to that just friendly relationship that I had with him just four weeks ago before the Spirit of God nudged me and said, you need to do something. About this individual. And uh, my pastor friend, he called me this week after the day after that lunch. He was struggling and he asked me to pray with him on the phone. And there are all these little thoughts that go through your head in that case. I'll just be honest with you. I've handed you off, I've connected you to a professional. I, I, I should be done with caring, right? How long is this going to go on how long is this going to go on how long am i to care i've done the work he gave me to do. god why you why i i did exactly what you told me to do you ever been there with a friend or a family member ever been there were you wondering how long when i saw him that he was calling me i knew he was in trouble i knew he was in trouble and I knew he wanted me, I knew he wanted my time, I knew he wanted to take some of that time, and I had choices. What do I do at that point? And I can hear some of, you, some of you say, well, James, you have to answer that phone, you must answer that phone, you have to answer the phone. Now, I can see other people say, well, James, you, James, there's, there's really, you really don't have to answer that phone, it's your phone, don't worry about it. Let me ask you a question. How many of you did your homework last week? Do you remember what it was? All of us were supposed to be praying for what? For eyes to see if there were people that came across our path for which each and every one of us would actually go, that person, I believe, needs something in their life, some type of touch, some type of, of whatever it is. And remember, we talked about that last week, how important that is to to actually listen and have that prayer so that you can actually reach out to that individual and and feel that nudging of the Spirit. And I asked you, I told you, you, don't do anything. You don't have to do anything. I just want you to be aware of that Spirit that is within us that's actually nudging you to do something for another individual. And it starts with prayer. It starts with prayer. Prayer is the first practical step in order for us to actually really care for other people. We have to see them as sheep and not as fish. And the only way we're going to do that is if we see this, have this prayer life that actually is engaging with other people around us. And so we begin with prayer. Look at this verse, and Jesus says, in, in Mark chapter one verse 30, 35. Not that he says hadn't said anything yet, but here we go. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he played, prayed. Not played, but prayed, okay? All right, you see the passage on the screen. Do you remember the verses surrounding this this verse? Do you actually remember what we're talking about here? Do you remember? You remember that I told you, that? and here's what I've learned about, about caring for others, and here's what I want you to know. It's complicated. It's not as easy as we think it is. Caring for others is just not as easy as we think. It's complicated. Okay, so let's look at this verse here a little bit better. So let me tell you, Jesus tells, he actually gets Peter, James, and John, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, all live in the same town. He has called them and he says, hey, I want you to come with me. And so they're in Bethsaida. He takes them to Capernaum about six miles away, and so they walk to Capernaum, they have this unbelievable experience. Unbelievable experience. There's a a demon that is there in Capernaum where he is, and Jesus cast out that demon because he is saying, that that demon saying, I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God, and everyone is astounded that that has happened, that they have, have actually, that Jesus actually cast this demon out of this man. Well, it says then that Mark said immediately after that, they go back to Bethsaida, and they go to Peter's home, and where his mother-in-law is sick, his mother-in-law is sick, and it says that Jesus actually heals her, and then the the word must have got out that night because it's sundown, this is in the evening, but it's sundown, everybody shows up at the door. Everybody's not there at the door. And listen to the next verse, verse 34. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. But he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Okay, here's where this theology of caring gets a little complicated. Gets a little complicated because as we go into this lesson, I want you to listen to this. All right, go back. Mark 35, we'll keep on going through verse 37. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place to pray, where he prayed. Okay, so that was the first verse we just read. Verse 36, Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Why? Why is everyone looking for Jesus? Tell me, why is everyone looking for Jesus? What do they want from Jesus? They want more healings, don't they? They want him to come and actually heal more people, cast out more demons. That's what they're wanting. They're wanting that. And you can just see Peter, Andrew, James, and John, the new recruits, they're excited. I mean, they're so excited. The healings, the casting out of demons, how much better could this get? Can you just, can you just see you've just been called? You're just a disciple, and all of a sudden, here, all these things are happening. You're going, I get to be a part of this. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be great. We can fix people's needs. Is this the ministry that Jesus has called us to? This is going to be fantastic. And you know what Jesus' next words are? Well, let me do this first. And yet you remember what Jesus is doing early in the morning, right? He's praying. He's praying. It's exactly what I asked everybody to do this past week. Pray. And you wonder what's going on in Jesus' prayer. And I put that verse up again because I believe in prayer so much that it helps us so much to understand what's going on in people's needs at hearts and in, in, in their, their lives. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And that first step, that first step in moving toward friendly to caring, in moving forward friendly to caring, has to be, where is my heart? And that only happens in a relationship that you have with your God when you are in prayer, understanding, God, how do you want me to live in relationship to my friends, to my loved ones, to my neighbors? How do you want me to live in relationship to that? And here's what Mark 1, verse 38 says. After everybody, after the disciples are going, this is going to be fantastic. Here's what the ending is not what you expect. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. And you can hear the disciples do, what? And you hear the disciples do, what? Sorry, are we, are we supposed to have musical instruments? And there you see them. Sorry. Oh, I'm going to cut that one out of the video. All right. So, I, so what? I mean, what, what do you think going on in the disciples' mind? What do you think is going on? Jesus is preaching and healing, and they're going, wait. Should we continue this? What are you doing, Jesus? Do you not care for those who are now showing up at your door? Because that's the reason they went and got Jesus. That's the reason they were searching for him. Because there were many more people that were probably at that door ready to be healed. And Jesus says, I need you to go. We're going to go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That's why I came. And you can see Peter and John. Does he even care for these people? Does he even care for the demon-possessed individuals? And here's the dynamic tension, this dynamic tension that all of us live in. When can I care? And when do I don't care? When do I not care? Jesus stopped what he was doing, walked away, and went another direction Why? And he tells us why, right? So I can do what? So I can preach the Word. So that I can preach the Word. Do we not understand what Jesus' purpose was in his life? Jesus' purpose was what? It's Luke 19, verse 10. It says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. That's his purpose. Jesus knew that, yes, I can care for these people. I can care for these individuals. But, brothers and sisters, my care that I need to give is the care of the souls of humanity. My purpose is greater than healings. My purpose is for the hearts of all human beings and that they will be cleansed. They will be made whole. And I care more about the world and the people, and I need to teach them, and the Word of God is powerful and effective. It is sharper than a two-edged sword, and I must preach. And we get into the same struggle, do we not? We get into the same struggle with caring, with caring for others. And here's, a, here's, here's, it's Father's Day, right? And fathers, as fathers, we have a responsibility. We can spend a lot of time caring for others while neglecting our family. And the question I have for you is, where's the greater purpose In your life? What's the greatest purpose? And sometimes I need to leave the good that I am doing. And the great work I feel like I am doing, fathers, mothers, whoever, I am doing to actually do the work that God has called me to do, whether it's with my family or whoever it is with. Many times we have to give up good stuff to do even greater stuff, and that's where we need to be as we think about what is our purpose and how should we care. Jesus left Bethsaida because He cared. He was on a mission, a mission, a God-given mission for the souls of humanity. All right, so in my 40 years, in my 40 years of ministry, here's what I've noticed. Here's what I've noticed a lot. Most of us, I'll read this just a minute. I notice that most of our spaces instill a false sense of well-being in us. This false sense of well-being expresses itself in, in statements like, I love my church. I love my family, "Our church family. I love the hugs that I get. I love the children's ministry, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm afraid this is all some of us know, this false sense of well-being that we have. Most of us, most of us do not come into a place, and this has been 40 years of ministry, do not come into a place where authenticity, accountability, and transparency exist. Because all of us love to hold our cards close. We love to hold our cards close. And the question is, what would it look like if it it was that? What would it look like as a church if we were both, thought of ourselves both as, listen, if all of us thought ourselves as shepherds, and all of us thought of ourselves as sheep. What if all of us took up the mantle of saying, I am going to be a shepherd as well as be shepherded as a sheep. I am going to be one who engages with others and cares about others. I'm going to move from that friendly to caring, but I also, I also need you to be caring of me because I'm a sheep. I'm a sheep. Every single one of us are sheep. But most of us don't consider ourselves a shepherd. Most of us don't look at ourselves like that. That's the job for our shepherds. That's the job for them. No, no. We're all supposed to love each other and care for each other. That's what we're supposed to do. All right, let me give you the practical steps. That's so what I didn't do. Now, if you've got an outline, you get to fill them all in today. So, the first one you got, here's the second one, number two on your outline. Take one's mind off of self. How do we do this? How do we do this? Take one's mind off of self. I love Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be that, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Okay, this is what Paul is asking all of us to do. He's asking all of us to show up. He's asking all of us not to just think of our own needs, but to think of others as well. Selfishness, selfishness is Satan's agent for our lack of caring. That's what it is. Selfishness becomes this agent that that Satan grabs and says, you think about yourself. That way you don't have to think about others. When we look to ourselves and not the interest of ourselves, and we look to others, man, what a joy that is. All right, here's number three. Number three. Caring must become an action and not just a feeling. Caring must become an action and not just a feeling. Mark 5, verse 30 says this. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched me? Now, I don't have time for this greater lesson right here and to do this, but let me just touch on this passage. And I hope you know where this is, but let me tell you. So, a synagogue leader named Jairus' daughter is sick with the fever. And everybody comes up to Jesus and they say, Jesus, we want you to come because this is a synagogue rooter. We want you to come and actually help this child. Jesus is walking and he's going. This is an emergency. I mean, everybody's thinking this is an emergency. Jesus, come on. Everybody's around Jesus. They're all around Jesus. They're all coming around, and they're all coming around. And Jesus has one of these, four of these, on his robe because that's what they wear, the tillet. And these are the the zitzits that they have, which represent the 613 laws that they were supposed to uh, remember. Each one of these are on the corners of his robe. And as he's walking, there is a lady that comes up and grabs on to the corner of his rope. Why does she grab on to the corner of his rope? Why? Because she knows her text. She's a woman that has been bleeding for 12 years. She's a woman that that is unclean. She's a woman that should not have been in the crowd. And she sneaks in and she grabs this. Why? Why? Look at Malachi. Malachi chapter 4 verse 2 says, But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in His wings, in the corners. And she said, if I just touch the wing, if I just touch the healing, I will be made whole. I will be made whole. Jesus had to stop. In the middle of an emergency, turns around and looks at this woman. He says, your faith has made you whole. Now, she spills the beans. I mean, she spills everything. She said, here's what I did. I'm sorry. And she's on the ground crying. Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. And here's my my point on the way, in our purpose of life, what God has given us to do, that purpose that Jesus was on to save the lost, that purpose that each one of us have in our own lives, that I'm I'm headed this way, there are always going to be times for small interruptions in our lives that we need to turn and help. It's just like my friend, my friend, when he calls, I pick up the phone because it's a small interruption for which I can at least hopefully somehow be a little bit of Jesus to him in his life. All right, here's number four. In order to do this, we need to be observant of others. Be observant of others. Remember the Samaritan story I told you last week. All right? But a Samaritan, so we had the Levite and the priest. The Levite and the priest, what did they do? They did what? When they saw the robber. They went by on the other side, right? And the Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. Okay, I'm afraid our tendency, our tendency is to walk away from that. It's to say, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can actually help this person. But the Samaritan, a Samaritan, this is a Jew, a Samaritan. And we don't have time to go into all that. But a Samaritan comes and actually helps this man. He reaches out, which is number five. He reached out and actually helped. He went to him and bandaged his pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. Did you notice? Here's what fascinated me. Did you, notice, did you notice what the Samaritan had on him? He had all the tools necessary to actually help that man. He had a first aid kit. No, he did. He had a first aid kit. There was bandages. There was bandages. Look, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. He had a toolkit. So, let me ask you, what's in your toolkit? What's in your first aid kit? What do you have that you can give to another? All you have is what's in your, in your kit that you can actually help others with. But I don't have this. And I don't have, do you, do you, have, you have some? You have something in that kit. And whatever kit, whatever you have in that first aid kit, you can use to help others. Four weeks ago, four weeks ago, when the Spirit of God nudged me to help my friend, he was more, he was just an acquaintance. I don't feel I have done much to help him. I don't. All I've done is say, hey, are you hurting? Can we talk? Can we pray together? I don't have the tools. I don't have the tools necessary to help what's going on in his life. But I do have a few things in my first aid kit. And you do too. Every single one of us do. We can do what we can do in helping with another, which brings me to this, and I want you to remember this, do for the one what you can do. Just do for the one what you can do. You may not be able to do everything. You may have to do like me and grab another minister, pastor, and say, hey, come along with me. Come along with me. Help me out in this. All right, here's number six. Serve instead of waiting to be served serve instead of waiting to be served. Matthew 20 verse 28 says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for, for, for many. And this is probably redundant, but Jesus came to serve and to seek and save the lost. That's what He came for. He gave His life as a ransom for many. And our job is to move beyond the friendly to the caring and serve Instead of be served, if we want to be like Jesus, which brings me to my last point, my last point. And remember, our caring may be an avenue by which other people are healed. James five sixteen, powerful, powerful message. What did we start with? Number one, what was number one? Remember, what was it? Prayer. What are we going to end with here, it looks like? Prayer. You begin and you end with people, with prayer, with prayer. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Remember what I said last week. You, each of us, have the power of the holy within inside of us. That's what happens when we are washed in the blood of the Lamb. We have the power of the holy within inside of us to help us see these things, to help us move, to help us go in directions where we're not thinking of ourselves, but we're thinking of others. And that power of the holy, that power of the holy, and that prayer connecting you and Him and whoever else to God is something that is a miraculous thing. How often have I seen prayer change the hearts of people? And it can change our hearts. And you may, God may change the heart of this person as well. It begins with prayer, and it ends with prayer. And if you're here this morning, and you need to take the step... To become a child of God and be baptized for remission of your sins and do that today. Whatever your need is, would you come as together we stand and sing.